0: The first reading is from the Book of Psalms. For God alone my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall never be shaken. How long will you assail a person? Will you batter your victim, all of you, as you would a leaning wall? a tottering fence. Their only plan is to bring down a person of prominence. They take pleasure in falsehood. They bless with their mouths, but inwardly they curse. For God alone, my soul waits in silence, for my hope is from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. On God rests my deliverance and my honor. My mighty rock, my refuge is in God. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. The second reading is from Romans chapter 15, verse 13. May the God of hope... Fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Word of God for the people of God.
1: It is my great pleasure to welcome this morning's guest preacher. Many of you are aware that as a formative part of our youth group experience, many of our youth travel to the Montreat Youth Conference in the mountains of North Carolina. Last year, they met as a keynote speaker, the Reverend Gail Henderson-Belsito. Gail is one of the pastors at Caldwell Presbyterian Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. She's a graduate of Williams College and Union Presbyterian Seminary. She has an amazing personal story and a profound grasp of the gospel. At the strong recommendation of our youth and their youth leaders, we invited her to to be here this weekend for our Tom York Lecture Series and to uh, preach to us this morning. And we are so glad that she accepted our invitation and is here to bring the word. Yesterday's message was filled with Challenge and authenticity and hope. We are overjoyed to have her in the pulpit today. Please give a warm welcome to our preacher, Reverend Gail Henderson Valsito.
2: Good morning, Knox Presbyterian Church. I do bring you greetings from Caldwell Presbyterian in Charlotte, North Carolina, where I serve as the Associate Minister. It was a joy and an honor for me to be the keynote speaker at Montreat Youth uh, Conference last summer, which is where I met your youth group and your back home leaders. I thank God that some of my ramblings from last summer resonated with some of you folks here at Knox. I want to thank all of you who were at the lecture yesterday and for the warm reception you gave me both before and following that talk. I was able to spend some time with the youth and the youth leaders yesterday afternoon, and I'm grateful for that time as well. I want to thank you all for the tremendous welcome and the invitation from the moment I heard from Heidi and the Tom York Lecture Series planning team several months ago. To each one of you who has been attentive to the details of my time here, I just want to extend to you my thanks. Thank you, Knox, so very much. Friends, will you join me in prayer? God of grace and love, God of hope and of mercy, thank you. We thank you for this time that you give us to look into your word together. Please open our ears and hearts to receive all that you have for us in this time. Please, living word, speak to us now, for your servants are here and we are listening. Amen. Friends, I love to travel. When I was nine or 10 years of age back in Brooklyn, New York, walking the four blocks to the nearest candy store was a great adventure for me. In my tween years on hot summer days, I would walk for nearly an hour to the main branch of the Brooklyn Public Library, passing the Brooklyn Botanical Gardens on one side and the Prospect Park Zoo on the other. It was glorious. And then I would stand between the columns of the grand entrance of the Grand Army Plaza Library and marvel at the vastness of it. I would step into the lobby and take my sweet time deciding which floors and rooms I would wander into in my never-ending quest for good books to read and quiet corners into which I could settle to enjoy those books. In my teenage years when we moved our home church from Brooklyn to Manhattan, the travel on, on the subway taking one, two, three different trains, it was all a wonderful adventure for me. And then when I had the chance to take my first overseas trip in the summer of 1986, I was thrilled. I went with a group of college students to Ireland, England, France, the Netherlands, and Austria. Questions like what will Europe be like? Will I understand what is being said around me and to me? Will I be able to find my way from place to place? What if I get lost? What if I lose my passport or my wallet or run out of money? Well, those kinds of sensible questions never occurred to me because I was a naive, intractable, hopeful optimist and also because I was madly in love with Jesus and I trusted him with every aspect of my life and I remain in love with Jesus to this day. The Cornell University track team was on the same flight to Dublin. And one of the largest human beings I had ever encountered up to that point in my lifetime, a Cornell shot putter was in the seat next to mine. I was a collegiate track athlete myself, and so we struck up a conversation pretty quickly. When we encountered turbulence out over the Atlantic Ocean, that massive man grabbed my right hand and nearly crushed my fingers in his. As he shook with fright, I spoke to him as tenderly as I could. Listen, dude, I didn't know his name. We can't hit anything up here. I'm sure it's bumpy, yes, but we're gonna get through this. We're gonna be okay. What I didn't say was that my hope was in the Lord. What I didn't say was that I was confident that even if things didn't go well and we weren't okay, I would end up in the presence of the God I adored. On that airplane, in that moment, on that night in June of 1986, my answer to today's title question, who what, where, when, why, and how is your hope? My answer was God. It was God who had brought me safe thus far. It was God who was going to bring me home. It was God who was with us and with the pilots and the crew and the passengers on that airplane. It was God who had kept my heartbeat steady even as we were tossed around in that airplane high over the Atlantic Ocean. Psalm 62 Let's us in on the questions, thoughts, and convictions of someone who knew what it was to be afraid during the great storms of life and still managed to hold on to faith and hope in God. Listen to verse 3 again. How long will you assail a person? Will you batter your victim, all of you, as you would a leaning wall, a tottering fence? Knox, have you ever felt assailed, battered, beaten upon by someone so much so that your life was about to topple over like a leaning wall or a tottering fence? Have you ever felt like the boundaries, the walls, the fences around your life, your job, your faith community, your family, your personal relationships were all about to collapse? Verse four describes the psalmist enemies this way, their only plan is to bring down a person of prominence. They take pleasure in falsehood. They bless with their mouths, but inwardly they curse. Selah. You know the type, don't you? With them, no good deed goes unpunished. You say a kind word, and they twist it into an insult. You do a kind act, and they twist it into an attack. You live well, and they lie well. They say good things to you, and then terrible things about you. I know that that kind of thing never happens at a fantastic church like Knox, but I have certainly experienced it in churches that I have attended and where I have served. Notice that at the end of verse 4 and again at the end of verse 8, we see the word selah. Books and sermons and papers have been written about that word, and it is not entirely clear what it means. But somewhere in every explanation I've read, I have seen reference to rest, to stopping, taking a break having a break in the music. Because remember, the psalms were songs. They were poems set to music. And so Selah has come to mean stop, breathe, let there be space. And so here at the end of verse four, I invite you to take a breath with me, Knox. Enemies are real and terrible. They seek to break us down and take us down and also we can breathe. Breathe again. There's good news that comes after verse 4. For God alone my soul waits in silence. I'll stop right there and tell you that there's a slight problem with that sentence in English. Not because my soul couldn't wait in silence for God, but rather because the verb that is translated here as waits is an imperative. It's a command in the original Hebrew. What we read in English is my soul waits. What the original Hebrew said was wait my soul in silence. It's a command from the psalmist to his or her soul. Soul of mine, wait. When the enemies are attacking my soul, wait for God alone. When the wall is falling my soul, wait for God. So let me read it again with the command there and see how it sounds to you. For God alone, my soul, wait in silence, for my hope is from God. God alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I will not be shaken. On God rests my deliverance and my honor, my mighty rock, my refuge is in God. When the enemies are attacking and the walls are falling, waiting is the last thing we want to do. When the boundaries are being transgressed and the weight of despair is increasing by the hour, waiting is the last thing we want to do. But what if... What if all the descriptors we find of God in Psalm 62 are true? What if God is my rock and my salvation? What if God is my fortress, my deliverance, and my honor, if God is my mighty rock? and my refuge is in God, then waiting for the Lord from whence cometh our help is exactly what we need to do. It's exactly what we need to be commanding, coaxing, begging our souls to do. But waiting for the Lord is not our tendency, is it? Our tendency is to panic to worry, to fret, to come up with all kinds of plans on our own, plans that never seem to work out. Because we all know that there are plenty of things that haven't worked out, plenty of things we haven't yet overcome, like the chronic pain, the chronic financial instability The ongoing and increasing wave of mass shootings and gun violence in this country. The ongoing and increasing climate crisis. The ongoing and increasing hatred and violence and injustice tied to racism and transphobia and anti-immigration rhetoric. And you all can name so many more ongoing and increasing crises in your own lives and the life of this church, this city, this state, this nation, this world, this planet on which we live. So listen with me again to Psalm 62, verse eight. Trust in God at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before God, for God is a refuge for us. Selah. According to this verse, who should you trust? God. What is God for us? A refuge. Where should you pour out your heart before God? When should you trust in God? At all times. Why should you trust in God? Because God is my rock. God is your rock. God is our rock. God is our salvation and our fortress. How can we possibly remember to trust in God at all times? Especially when we're trying to do the work of racial justice and we keep getting pushback and resistance from right here in our midst. When we're working to change laws and policies around fossil fuel investment and consumption and we keep getting told that there's nothing we can do to reverse climate crisis besides it's not man-made anyway. When we're spreading the good news of Jesus Christ and we're reminded of all the people who use the name of Jesus to justify hatred and violence against so many of God's dearly beloved children. How can we possibly trust in God at all times, when it feels like we are under enemy attack at all times? Selah. Breathe with me, Knox. One day during my time with that group in Ireland, we were taken to a wooded area and made our way to one of Ireland's many round towers. Those towers were often built near or attached to churches and were used not only for storage, but also some believe they were used as places of escape and safety during times of attack. The round tower we saw looked to be at least 60 feet tall and the lowest entrance to the tower was at least 15 feet above the ground and was accessible only by a ladder, a ladder that could be retracted into the tower at times of danger. Our guide invited us to think about those towers when we read the Psalms, when we thought about God being a high tower, a refuge for us when enemies battered us. He invited us to imagine ourselves intentionally entering into the shelter of God's presence and pulling up the ladder so that we could be alone with the God of our salvation. We were invited to enter the hiding place, the fortress, the place of silent seclusion with God and Selah, breathe, be renewed and refreshed. Not so that we could stay in that high tower forever. Not so we could remain away and apart from the world that God loves, the world that Jesus died to save. Not so that we could keep the grace and mercy and hope and love of God to ourselves and for ourselves, no. But there are times when we need to be alone with the alone. There are times when we need to take our weary, battered souls up into the high tower of God's comforting presence, and tell our souls, command our souls, to wait for God alone. And when we have been renewed, when we have been refreshed, when we have been reminded of the goodness of the Lord here in the land of the living, we can let the ladder down again we can enter the fray again. We can turn to one another as children of God, doing the work of God here in the reign of God again. And we can bless one another with the words that Paul wrote to the church in Rome, the words we heard read this morning. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. We know that it doesn't always feel like the God of hope is with us. Sometimes we feel flat out abandoned by all hope. Sometimes it feels like all the joy and peace we ever had slipped away from us when a dearly beloved soulmate or friend slipped away from us in death. Or when we stumble again and get drunk again or high again. Or when the bills go unpaid again. Or when the church isn't there for us with or with us in our times of trial, tribulation, and loss. Sometimes it feels like the only thing we're in is fear. And we feel none of the power. storms of life are tossing and turning us in every direction, when the storms are truly threatening to undo us, the psalmist reminds us that we can trust in God, our fortress, mighty rock, and refuge, even then. Perhaps especially then, It is my fervent prayer, Knox Presbyterian Church, that your hope will always be in the God who created you, loved you, came to earth for you in Jesus Christ, who lived for you, died for you, and rose again for you, for me, for all people, and for our salvation. I pray that in the midst of your struggles and trials, you will know that you know that you know that the answer to who, what, where, when, why, and how is your hope, that your answer will always be God alone. And I pray that when it feels like all hope is gone, you will recall Paul's blessing given to us in Romans 15. I pray that the God of hope, our God of hope, the God who is our hope, will indeed fill you with all joy and peace and believing so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy
0: Spirit. Amen. Amen.